Okay, this is a very, very special episode of Inappropriate Earl. You know, usually I have unknown people, uh, comics, musicians, actors. Today I have quite possibly the gayest looking man I've ever seen in my life. But he's also the most famous man who's ever been in my apartment. If it wasn't for this man, there would be no UFC. There would be no pride. And there would be no gay nightclubs in Japan. Please put your hands together for the one, the only, the predator, Don Fry. Are they clapping? Oh, I can hear him now. Okay. Okay. And you're not just a UFC pride pro wrestling legend. You're also an insurance commercial legend now. That's right, man. Yeah, I pedal insurance on a motorcycle. I mean, you look good in those commercials. Some people have a gecko. Some people have some crazy-looking broad, you know, over too much makeup and bad wig, and then some people got me. Well, yeah, but you're you. When I, you know, now we first met, we we're both friends with Rob Schneider. Rob was getting married. He said, "Earl, I'm going to sit you next to someone who you're going to really love," and I thought it's going to be an alphabetical uh, seating chart. That maybe it'd be Jerry Seinfeld, Adam Sandler, and I got to the wedding with my uh, girlfriend. I see a guy in a cowboy hat. I'm like, "Wow, Tom Selleck's here." Yeah, scary. And then you turned around, and I went, "That's not. That's the guy who fought the Japanese guy, like a hockey fight." And we've been friends since. I wouldn't call. I wouldn't call you a friend. I mean, you make, acquaintances. You make quite an annoyance, basically. You know, kind of like you know having a boil on my scrotum. You know, something that just won't go away. Well, see, that's why you're on the podcast. I mean, three minutes in, you're talking about your scrotum. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I see you were sitting over there leering at me, so I figured I'd just give you a brush off real easy. And you did. You brushed me off for about three hours, and then I thought I'd be a wise ass, and I think I called you a pussy. And you put me in an arm bar in about two seconds. I don't think it's two seconds. I think it's like a blink of an eye, right? Well, it hurt. That's all I know. I mean, what do you 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 know me? The people out there know me. Would I make a good UFC fighter? I mean, I've got a nice lean body. Yeah, phenomenal. You know, you, you remind me uh, of all the people in the UFC. Uh, you remind me of the uh, female referee. Right, I mean, uh, yeah, Kim Winslow. Right. She kind of is a cross between uh, Dolph Lundgren and, uh, oh, I don't know, a giraffe. Tall and scrawny and pale, yeah. yeah. Now, <laughs> now, what do you think? Now, I don't know if a woman should be uh, refereeing big guys fighting. I mean, she seems to always be refereeing the heavyweights. What, what are your thoughts on that? You don't want my thoughts on it, partner. I'll do I that. do, though. This is why it's called inappropriate Earl. Uh, she shouldn't be there. You know, I mean, what what experience or knowledge does she have of the sport? I think anybody who's going to referee or judge should have been involved in it for quite a while. I, you know, so there's a bunch of judges out there that aren't qualified to do it. So you're saying, like, uh, I would not be a good MMA referee because I don't know what I'm doing. Right. I mean, can you find the cage? What's the cage? Right, yeah. <laughs> um. Now, John McCarthy, you, uh, to me, the two best referees are John McCarthy and Herb Dean. Uh, would you, uh, what, what would your assessment be? Yeah, I just, I was lucky enough. Um, I was over at the, uh, in Las Vegas last week at the World Mixed Martial Arts Awards, and Jens Pulver and I 
presented the Referee of the Year award. On and that. who won? Uh, Herb Dean won. And and he does martial arts himself. Right. I think right. Uh, John McCarthy did as well, or does. Yeah, I think uh, John, uh, he, when he started out, when the UFC started out, the first UFC, they had a really bad referee. <laughs> it's, uh, the guy was afraid to be in there, be near the guys. And uh, then the second UFC 2, they had John come in, and he was a student of the Gracie's Jiu-Jitsu. And being a big cop, I mean, he was perfect for the job. Now, when you were in the UFC, I think you won uh, number eight and ten, if I'm not uh, mistaken. No, I won eight, and then I won the nine was a single match. I won that single match, and then uh, ten, I I was runner-up to Mark Coleman, and then I came back and won Ultimate Ultimate two. Now. This is at a time, uh, I guess this is the time when John McCain referred to it as uh, cockfighting. I mean, uh, uh, John McCain's a waste of flesh. Well, see, that's why I have you on the show. No one's going to say that. That's why you're going to pump this podcast to at least 10 viewers. Right. But, I mean, John McCain is responsible for costing me several million dollars. You know, I mean, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, because, uh, you know, he outlawed the UFC and. They ended up uh, taking it off of uh, pay-per-view, and uh, I had to go to Japan to make my living rather than being able, you know, it was in my, the prime of my career. Right. And uh, lost all the money that I could have made. Now, now I've seen in recent interviews with him, and I don't want to upset you because I, I can't uh, calm you down. I right. Mean, you're a big guy still, so I don't want any problems and, here. And you better select your words very carefully. Right. But I've always said I could kick your ass. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, uh, but, put your helmet on, boy. Right. Now, I, it would still hurt. I can't imagine taking a punch from you, what that would feel like. You wouldn't feel it for long. <laughs> but now John McCain seems to have become a fan of MMA. What, what do you think brought this sudden change of heart? That it's popular now? Oh. Uh. In my, let's see, my opinion. Don't hold back. Right. <laughs> How do I do say this without slandering the little waste of flesh? Uh, you know, I think it's all money. I think he okay. found a way to get, get, get a little bit of money out of it. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a nice softball to throw out there. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, you, I'm fascinated by the era when you fought because... That was in an, were there guys that you saw either you fight fighting yourself or or that you would watch and go this guy shouldn't be in here like the first guy you beat Thomas Hernandez he was a taxi driver was he I mean he clearly someone probably who was the uh, matchmaker Art uh, Art Davies I mean do you think it was Mark less a case of Art seeing this guy going Jesus this guy would look great. 400 pounds, he's a monster. Let's put him in there against, say, Don Fry or Mark Coleman and see what happens. Well, you didn't know who you were going to get back then. We did the tournament. Right. And they kind of just basically threw all the names in a hat and pulled them out, you know. It, it, was there ever a way you could uh, maybe get a select uh, opponent? Like, if you went up to Art and said, hey, I, I wouldn't mind fighting this guy, or it was just really... No, it was up to Art and, and uh, uh, Robert Meyerowitz. And, um, you know, it was their show. Right. So, you know, they they put you where they wanted you. Now, how did they find you? I mean, did they like your wrestling background? Or, I mean, I know you had experience in uh, 
martial art. I mean, you were one of the more well-rounded fighters at that time. Yeah, I wrestled in college and a little international. And then um, after college, I did a year and a half pro boxing. And um, You won your only match, right, in 89? No, I had eight matches in pro boxing. Well, you should uh, rearrange your Wikipedia page. I didn't write it, and nobody called me and asked me. So don't believe everything you read. I mean, uh, who wrote it? Stevie Wonder? It I says, have no idea. <laughs> I haven't even read it. Oh, well, no, there eight, you go. But I had eight, 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 eight fights, you know. Um, I see, and then I got out of sports. I was in a bad marriage, so I got out of sports and uh, got in the fire department. And all my days off, I was, I was shoeing horses and then um, did that for quite a few years. And then I started taking up judo, started learning judo, you know, and um, quickly became a a second degree and a third degree black belt and uh then I got a divorce and just I uh, called up Dan Severn and he needed a uh throwing dummy so I was his chief throwing dummy for uh, ultimate ultimate one and then he got me a few fights uh throughout the country and uh then he recommended me to the UFC and they called me um Call me, uh, see, the fight was February 6th or 8th, and they called me about two weeks' notice sometime in January. Asked me if I wanted to do it, and I said, well, hell yeah, I want to do it. Did you know who you were going to fight? No, I had no idea. So you could have been fighting the 600-pound Emmanuel Yarborough or uh, Keith Hackney. I mean, it could have. No, it was uh, David versus Goliath. So it was, you know, um, about 200-pounders versus over 200-pounders, you know. Right. They liked the, uh, in the early days, the, uh, almost like kind of how Pride had the, not the freak show matches, but, you know, you'd have a, say, a guy like Hong Man Choi against Fedor, just because the right. visual. Right. Um, and so. Well, everybody wanted, you know, everybody always thought bigger and stronger would always win, you know. Like a Bob Sapp type. Right, right. And Hoist Gracie proved that wrong. And, uh, you know, a few other people, you know, proved it wrong. Did, well, I mean, I, I can imagine, like, uh, like seeing Gracie beat Shamrock. It was like, you would never dream of. I mean, Shamrock looked like a uh, sculpture. Like an action figure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he would, I mean, it's like there's no way this little uh, Brazilian guy is going to submit this guy and bam. Right, right. Well, he was smart. He knew how to, you know, he knew how to... Uh, Tie you up and use the jujitsu skills. Did so. you ever fight uh, any of the Gracies? No, I never got to. Never got to. Did uh, you want to? Yeah, of course you wanted to. You always want to fight the best. And they were the uh, dynasty family of at back then, right? I right, mean, right. They were it. Yeah. And what would your? Let's say you fought uh, Royce. What would your strategy be? And I'm actually being serious. Yeah. Well, I don't. I just stuck a move, you know, and I used my boxing skills and, and wrestling skills and judo skills, and I just, you know, punched him and threw him and then stayed off the ground with him and wait for him to get it back up. And then I, you know, I'd keep it standing. Right. And, but you, his whole goal would be to try and get you down. Right, right. Grab you, you know, tie you up and pull you down the ground, and then, you know, submit you. Now, would it be easier since he's wearing the gi to maybe hold him off or. No, actually, that, that gi is a trap for most people. You know, they, right. they grab it, 
And uh, then once you grab it, your one arm's locked up. You know, so at least you just one other arm. Right. But, you know, people uh, like get tunnel vision. You know, like like when they down there in Africa, they trap a monkey. You know, they, they have a gourd and they and they hollow out the gourd and they put a seed in there. The monkey hears a little seed rattling around, so he sticks his hand in there, grabs the seed, and can't pull his hand out. You know, once he makes a fist, right? And he's too dumb to let go. You know, so he's trapped. I think I have a lot in common with this yeah, monkey. I think so. Too think. dumb to let go. <laughs> now, do you have one opponent today? If you could come back and fight, do you have one person from today's? You know, I guess it's just the UFC now. Right. I said, Don, I can make this match happen. We could go back in time. You'll be at your ultimate peak. Yeah. Who would you pick as an opponent? Well, you'd have to pick, you know, whoever the heavyweight champion is, of course. You know? Which is the, the great Cain Velasquez. Okay, I didn't know that. I forgot his name. Well, that's why I'm here. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't say great in front of his name, but, uh, you know, but... Uh... You know, obviously he has the belt, so he'd be the one you want to fight because it's a money fight. Right. Well, now he, the problem, I think, for the UFC is he's hurt. He's got a bad shoulder. Uh, and so now they, they can't, they have to have all these matches. But at, at the end, it's like they're on hold because, right. you know, and then the the number two guy, Dos Santos, mo most people would, would say he's, the, right. he's already lost pretty badly to Velasquez twice. So, like, what do they do with him? I mean, like. Well, they're going to do, you know, like they do with every other champion they have. You know, they get somebody who's champion for one or two fights, and they get hurt. And so then they've got to have a uh, temporary uh, championship belt, you know. Uh, right. And that's the thing. There's no durability left in these guys anymore. You know, when, Are you talking just in the heavyweights or just with everybody? All over, all over. Because, I mean, you know, shit, when I fought in 96, let's see, I think I fought 11 fights that year. That's crazy. Yeah. And now if you fight maybe three fights a year, you're considered right. a workhorse. Yeah, we'd fight three fights in one night, you know, so you'd have to, you had to be durable. And then we then we come back uh, three or four months later, you know, fight again in the next tournament. Now, you know, now you've seen the, the training camps of, of the fighters. They bring in a judo coach, a jiu-jitsu coach, all these different coaches in various aspects. Did you guys do the same back then, or just? I, you know, I was real fortunate because I had uh, had Steve Owen, who was my judo sensei, and Steve's like in the evil Yoda, you know. Right. He'd always, you know, he's like an armbar specialist, and he'd teach you how to break somebody's arm, you know, twenty different ways, you know, without moving, and uh, then, you know, and then choke you out, and then, like I said, you know, I had uh. Rocco Ciatoli, who was my hands guy for boxing, so he was real good. And uh, then, you know, I had some real good guys who, uh, as sparring partners, and they were always there. And, you know, you always count on those guys to show up. And were they fighters too, or just? They were ex wrestlers, you know. Um, uh, you know, you had Sam Satello, who, um, heck, he wrestled for Sunnyside High School, and he was a senior when I was a freshman. And he's one, you know, when I was a, I started wrestling as a freshman and I pinned everybody in the first round. So they moved me up to uh, varsity. And I think Sam was one, one of my first or second matches, 
you know, on the varsity level. Right. And he looked big as a door at 167 pounds. You know, I thought he was, he had to weigh 300 pounds. You know, he was solid. And he beat the tar out of me. You know? Really? <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, 20 years later, we're working out again, you know. And uh, then I had Rainey Martinez, who uh, was a former Navy SEAL. And then I had uh, Rich Moreno who uh, was a former Marine, and he's a great judo judo expert, you know. Um, then I'd bring in some guys uh, who from college, collegiate wrestling. I'd uh, have them work out too, you know. The McMinn family were real hand, handy and helpful in my in my career. So, yeah, I was just real fortunate. I had, I had a lot of tough guys um, who weren't greedy. And, right. And, and interested in themselves that they were just you know they were there for me whenever i needed it they wanted to help you get as far as you could go whereas today they'd probably go well how can i get ahead of him right you know pay and give me money you know right i mean these guys i don't think people realize how little money these guys make Uh, no but i was the first one i always paid my guys and i always um made sure that they traveled i paid their travel you know and uh, i think i was the first one i think everybody else um, you know, back then it was just, you know, the honor right. of being in, being, you know, around a UFC fighter, but you know, I, my guys are, I respected my guys and they respected me and, you know, would, and I paid for the, I paid for their bodies. Right. Oh, for, of course. Yeah. Now, do you think the UFC, I, I would love it and I hate to keep saying just UFC, but they're pretty much the only game, uh, in town, right? Which I don't think is ever good. I, I always think, uh, like in pro wrestling, it was never at better than when WCW was giving a little competition. To right, w- competition makes makes you uh, work harder. Right. Well, now you can just throw any card together, and it's like, well, if you don't like it, what else are you going to watch? Right. And, and I mean, do you think there's too? I think there's too many cards. Do you think there are? You know, I think people are going to start getting burnt out on it. Yeah. I mean, like, there's a a card this weekend, right? In Brazil, I I think it. I looked at the card. There's one good match. It's uh, yeah. Machida against Musasi, who I love because he was from Strike Force. Yeah. And then it's like, Jesus, who the rest of the fights? They they might be great fighters, but it's like I, I don't know if I would pay to see that. Yeah. Well, and then, is it a freebie or is it paper? I think it's a freebie because next week is the Rousey fight. Uh, Ronda Rousey against uh, Sarah McMahon and then uh, just yesterday it was announced that the second main event of uh, Cormier and uh, Rashad Evans is cancelled really what happened Uh, I think uh, Evans hurt his knee really and so Cormier uh, you know he he has no one to fight and uh, Chael Sonnen said I'll do the fight on 10 days notice now what do you think about that do you think he's just doing it for promotional uh you know, Saker, I mean, do you admire when a guy like Sonnen saying that? I, 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 I think he's full of shit, <laughs> you know. But I get a kick out Chael. I really like Chael. Yeah, and he's fun. He's real good for the He's good for the business. He know? reminds me of you, though. I mean, like, very uh, outspoken. Yeah, he, he can't keep his mouth closed either. Right, you right. know, yeah, he's like a, a, a slightly less gayer version of you. Right, right, yeah. But he's a great fighter, as you were. I mean, you don't get the credit, I think, for being the fighter you were because you're you're so. Uh, not many MMA fighters have a personality. Right. Yeah. Not many at all, boy. I mean, you know, like look at 
Like you said, Cain Velasquez. Jeez Louise, that guy's like watch the paint dry, you know? But, I mean... There's nothing to him. He's just a a blank wall. Yeah, I mean, he's just a guy who's... he's so damn dumb, you know, you can spot him the C and the T, and he still couldn't spell cat, you know? Well, I couldn't either, though. Right, yeah, well, I'm preaching the choir here, right? Did you know tit, spelled backwards, is tit? No, I wasn't aware of that. I just figured that out. Well, you're a genius, aren't you? Well, not really. I mean, I'm just an idiot. Oh, okay. I didn't want to say that. Well, I will, because I know my limitations, yeah. <laughs> you know. Tip, uh, yeah. Now, do you think, what do you think, I, I'm sure it would never happen, but if the UFC went old school for just one night, and you had a tournament, open weight class, no no, no limits. I, mean, I don't you think could, anybody'd show up. I think they'd all call in sick. <laughs> so you could have, like, uh, Uriah Faber against Overeem. Yeah. I would love to see that. Right, yeah. I think I think Uriah is tough enough to show up. Uh, maybe Mark Munoz, but uh, you, you, know, you think Overeem would have to eat some sharks and horses to just? <laughs> you know, then that that kid who uh, that dumbass Oki who beat up uh, GSP. What's his name? Oh, Hendrix. Hendrix. Yeah, he'd show up. He's tough. What about Weidman? Weidman seems like yeah, he's... yeah. Weidman's tough. He'd a Weidman. Yeah, he's. Well, he's ex, they're ex-wrestlers, you know. Ex-wrestler always show up for a fight. Right, and, including Lesnar? No. <laughs> now, let me ask you your opinion on Lesnar. Like, to me, being a just a, a dummy fan yeah. with no MMA background, yeah. um, you're not disagreeing with anything I'm saying. Right. <laughs> you keep going. You, you describe yourself more in there. Yeah, keep going. Lesnar seemed to me just as an outside observer like he didn't like getting hit right would you say that's a, a fair assessment yeah so he get punched he turned around and ran the other way he'd still be running if there wasn't a cage there you know <laughs> I mean when Overeem gave him the liver kick I've never seen a MMA fighter go ouch I mean he literally said oh yeah I mean do, do you think uh, what do you think his deal was did just, do you think he got into MMA just to go, oh, you know, this could be an easy way to make a few bucks? And then he got hit and it's like, oh, maybe this isn't. Yeah, he found out that it was real. Yeah, it wasn't WWE pro wrestling, you know, and it wasn't somebody in the back, you know, writing up, uh, writing a script who wins and who doesn't. You know, he found out these are serious athletes. Oh, my God. Unbelievable athletes. Yeah. He found out what it was like to get punched and he didn't like it. Now, uh, w- in Pride, I've always heard, uh, you know, uh, not necessarily that uh, fights were, you know, uh, scripted. But uh, did you ever hear that? Were, were that were you ever in any organization? You don't have to name them. Where it was uh, implied, hey, uh, maybe you want to, you know, carry this guy a little bit. No, or? no, I never was never around any of that. No. Okay. I'm just uh, hearing rumors out there. Yeah. Not of you specifically, but, uh, you know, I thought maybe, uh, you know, in some of the pride fights, you go, Jesus, this fight doesn't really seem uh, like they'd have Bob Sapp fighting this little guy. And this little guy seems to uh, be carrying Bob a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I would shit in my pants if I saw Bob Sapp coming at me. <laughs> and you've acted with Bob Sapp and Big Stan. Right, right. And where Bob, you played a white supremacist. Right, and Bob beats me up in the movie. You know, Bob's a good old boy. I like Bob. He's a good guy. Oh, I love Now, is he, 
you know, because his visual image is so like, my God, this guy's a fucking house. Right. Does, what is his MMA background? I mean, he's just a brawler. Right, right. He's just a big, you know, 400-pound chunk of muscle, you know. Now, how do you fight someone like that? Hey, you stick and move, and you hope, you know, eventually, you know, they're going to get tired. Right. It, it, it takes a lot of energy to move 400 pounds of muscle. That, yeah. You know, a lot of oxygen. Eventually, they're going to get oxygen depletion. Whether they're fat or muscular. Right. Because muscle right. weighs more. I would ask, I would guess that the more muscular you are, the, the tired you're going to get just because. Well, moving 400 pounds is 400 pounds, you know. Now, did you ever fight Hongman Choi? No, I fought Aki Bono. He was uh, 486 pounds. You know, he's six foot eleven, and uh, you know he was uh, Yokozuna. You know, a right. champion uh, sumo wrestler. So he was a you know six foot eleven, you know five hundred pound real athlete. You know, not just five hundred pounds of blob. He was a real athlete. And what's the strategy fighting someone like not just a big guy but skilled? Yeah, yeah. You try to stay away from him, but I mean, being an athlete and being good at his sport, you know, there was no getting away from the guy. He, he bum rushed me, he put me in the in the corner, you know, and, and man, did that hurt! <laughs> I can't imagine. I mean, so when he bum rushes you in the corner, what's going through your head? Like, how do I get out of this corner? Yeah, how do I get away from this guy? You know, who was the strongest person you ever fought? Probably Aki Bono or uh, Mark Coleman or uh, Ken Shamrock. Now, Coleman also had the wrestling background. Right, like, yeah. He was a national champion wrestler, right, and on the Olympic team in 92, I think it was. So, like, but you coming from a wrestling background yourself, I mean, you guys were probably pretty even in that area. No, he was much better than me, you know, because he was a national champion. But, but you might have been the better striker. Right. I was a much better striker. But I was, you know, that day was, just wasn't my day. I woke up sick and, um, you know, laid in bed all day trying to find my energy and uh, couldn't find it. And then went out there and had two bad matches, you know, that um, went, the, went, went a long time when he, he was – you know, he was so powerful, his matches went by fast. And, you know, I was backstage, and I was just dehydrated, worn out. And, and I looked around me. I was, we were this close to pulling out, you know. Right. And uh, I looked around at, at the alternate. So, that, you know, I can't send one of these children out there to face, face that monster. Right. <laughs> It'd be murder, you know. <laughs> so I... You know, put my big boy britches on and went out there and got my ass kicked. Well, that's, that's uh, you also kicked a lot of ass. There's, everyone loses, right? Right, yeah. Eventually you get cocky. Right. You know, and you, you're a little cocky. And you I can't get, imagine you being cocky. I know. It's it's an odd, odd thought, isn't it? I mean, you're just a happy-go-lucky guy. Yeah, very professional. You're one of the more successful guys from your era. Yeah, been lucky. I mean, you actually have, uh, you know, you're coherent. I mean, a lot, you know, some guys, uh, I can imagine, like, if you took a uh, interview and in, say, 10 years of the, maybe 10 guys you fought in the first couple of UFCs, some would not be in a pretty situation. Well. 
financially or right but a lot of those guys you know they, they showed up for one ufc got the shit kicked out of them and went home right so they, they didn't take any long-term damage you know like the first Simone, like the very first fight in the UFC was that big uh, bald Simone guy who got kicked and lost his tooth. Yeah, <laughs> tooth, uh, the French fighter whose name yeah, is escaped. Gerard uh, Depardieu. <laughs> no, that's the actor. <laughs> right, that's Gerard. the guy. Yeah, Gerard. I don't think I ever saw the bald guy again in a fight. No, no, I don't think so either. Now, did it was you? Funny because uh, the way I was told it, um, you know they. Like I said, it was the first one, and they had uh, people from Disney there right. looking at ringside with their uh, their program there, and they were thinking about investing. And then, boom, that tooth got kicked out, and then landed right in the, in the guy's magazine in his program. He just folded it around here. Yeah. <laughs> Disney Disney didn't want to have anything to do with it. I, I can't imagine Disney uh, investing in the early. Uh, I mean, that was really when it was. Pretty crazy. Uh, well, I mean, the first UFC, nobody knew what the hell was going on, you know, except for uh, the Gracies. Right. You know. It was like blood sport. Right? I mean, you know, like it was just kind of throw these guys, you know, out there. You don't know what's going to happen. Right. And uh, but now, I mean, it's now it's beyond big, and you know, it's well, like like everything else, you know, on the planet, the, the USA. Has taken it and adapted it and uh, made it their own and became champions of it. You know. Now, do you think? Um, I mean, to me, to go up against the UFC, you would need a short-term plan, a mid-term plan, a long-range plan, and the money to do all those plans. You know, do you think in the future anyone could compete, legitimately compete against the UFC? Oh, you mean, uh, as a new organization? Yeah, like, uh, I mean, Strikeforce, I personally liked it when Strikeforce was around, but they didn't seem to uh, really know what they were doing. They had the money, the, right. the CBS Viacom money, but they, I don't know, seemed to drop the ball. Yeah, they did, you know. I mean, and then Mark Cuban was supposed to have gotten into it, you know, and apparently he has a lot of money to lose, but... <laughs> A lot of these people, they just they look at the initial investment and the propensity for loss, and then they just don't want to, you know, take the opportunity, take the chance to lose that money. Right. So they, they say, nah, forget it. I mean, I look like when uh, Affliction was around. Right. You know, and the big fight was going to be Fedor against Barnett. Right. And then uh, I think uh, Barnett... Uh, Something happened with a test, and uh, I mean, literally, because that fight didn't happen, the whole organization went under. Right. And affliction that they have money. Right. So, you know, just I think having money alone doesn't help, but no, they they have a like you say a long term commitment. Right. To lose money. Yeah, you got to figure out. Well, I'm going to lose a half a billion dollars before we start making. You know, I mean, they're they're claiming that the UFC makes a billion dollars a year. You know, so it's a lot of money. Yeah. Do you think that's an accurate figure? I mean, like, would you... Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. I mean, it's, you know, it's all gravy at this point. Now, were you ever approached to be, like, a commentator? Or I, I, mean, I think you would be great on this broadcast. Yeah, apparently I pissed off everybody in the UFC, so... Because you're too honest. Yeah, yeah, I can't keep my mouth shut, right. But, yeah, but who, that's why you're a great podcast guest. You, would have, you, you should have your own podcast. 
I should, shouldn't I? You got a great voice. You got a great face for a podcast. Yeah, I got the face for radio. That's right. You know, so do I. Yeah, that's for sure. We could be partners. Anybody who saw the real you, they they dropped their dinner plate, boy. I mean, would you say just looking at my face, I, I might have been in a fight or two, or is, is this just ugly naturally? I would I would think you'd be the you know like the sole survivor in a really bad train wreck, you know. <laughs> See, and I can't say anything back to you. No, you can't. Because even though you haven't fought in a while, you could kill me. Yeah, absolutely. So keep that in mind. What would be your first move on me? Just a rear naked? No, no, I don't want to. You and the word naked just don't go together, and, and you know. And rear. And, and yeah, any part of my life, so forget it. <laughs> now, speaking of rear and naked, you know, recently we had the first. Well, he's not in the NFL yet, but he will be drafted. Uh, first openly gay um, pro football player. This is actually a serious question. Do you think there will ever be a an openly gay male? UFC fighter. Oh, I'm sure there's several just dying to get in there and <laughs> roll around on, on the mat with these fighters. Yeah. I mean, I would love to get in a, a rear naked with Overeem. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I mean, do you, and do you? Th what would the reaction be with the, the the fighters? Do you think? Do you think they'd care, or do you think? I mean, I'm sure there's a a, a gay fighter now. They're just not out. Right. Right. I mean, would you care if you were fighting a gay fighter? Well, if he showed up with an erection, yeah, that'd bother me. Yeah. So. Well, that could be a new. Uh, uh, you could. I think to win. You could put a dick guillotine. Right. Right. So you wouldn't mind. I mean, I'm not saying you would prefer it, but I mean, do you think? Uh, I mean, like this player's reaction in the NFL so far is some players have said it will be a problem. Some players say they don't care. I mean, since mixed martial arts is more of a uh, intimate combat sport, right? I could imagine if you were a homophobic fighter, you, you wouldn't dig it, right? <laughs> I mean, what do you think? Well, you see, I I come at it from a different angle because I was molested a few times when I was a child. Okay, so you know. I have a whole different perspective on it. Than, oh, oh, no, I understand. And, uh, you know, other right. people. Oh, I got you. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to bring that. I, You know, I didn't know that. Um, well, it's not something you walk around and advertise, you know. Well, no, no. Listen, I was an altar boy for 12 years, so <laughs> how do you think I feel? You must have enjoyed it then. You kept going back, right? Well, that's why I went back an extra <laughs> six years. You're supposed to stop after the sixth year. Yeah. So, you know, I said, hey, Father... Do you mind if I just stick around? I mean, I was the only altar boy who was 22 years old. But right. um, now, post-fighting, you've had a very successful acting career. How was that something you always wanted to do? Yeah, if I could, anything I do to avoid getting a real job. Yeah, right. Or to stop. You know, at one point, did your body just say, "I can't do this anymore"? Yeah, it did, and uh, that happened a decade ago, and I was too damn dumb to listen to it, and um, May 2010 to May 2011, I had five back surgeries, and then um, last year I had my sixth back surgery where they 
they uh, ripped out the the first fusion and they ended up fusing ten vertebrae. So my, my ass crack goes from my anus to my shoulder blades. You know? <laughs> but you would have done that anyway, that surgery. Yeah. Now, is this just from years of uh, the the pro wrestling and the and the fighting, or, or was it from? Just... Probably pro wrestling, the the fighting. You know, as a fireman, as a horseshoer. You know, I've, I've had a hell of a life. You know, good. Oh, you're a legend, man. Yeah, got got to got to do. A, I've had pack ten lifetimes in one life. You know, so I've had a lot of fun. Now, what was it hard, like? You know, going into the pro wrestling world, I mean, you know, you're coming from a sport where you're fighting for real. Like, did you ever make a mistake, like, and actually hit a guy? And- oh yeah, poor those poor guys that had to had to work with me over there in Japan. They they they'd see that my name against their name on the roster, and you just see their head dropping. <laughs> they you know they knew they were in for a long fucking night. You know, poor guys. But is that because you weren't as well trained as they were in, in the art of like not faking a fight, but like? Yeah, I wasn't very good at pulling my punches. You know, um, and then also. They wanted me to make it look real. <laughs> right. You know, they wanted me to be stiff. They just didn't let the other guy know it, you know. <laughs> now, was there ever a match where the guy's like, hey, can you ease off, man? This is starting to hurt. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's lots of them, yeah. Now, you, what was the wrestling match you had with Josh Barnett like? I mean, that was there's two guys who are coming from the same background. I mean, was that an easier fight knowing that he was coming from your sport as well yeah you know and josh is real good Josh's a real good pro wrestler he's he's soft you know and i'm stiff and unfortunately for josh i guess i ruptured his eardrum during the match yeah so then josh didn't enjoy it as well as i did <laughs> but you're friend, friendly with him uh... oh yeah josh is a great guy I just made a movie with him oh really yeah last year we did uh chuck hank and the san diego twins and is uh, David Arquette and Michael Pere. Oh wow! And Josh and myself, and you know, uh, this is made by the same by the guys who made uh, Bellflower. Okay. You know, I mean, David Arquette is uh, he's getting into the stand-up comedy world now, and is he? you know, I was a, uh, you know, I've been giving him not lessons but uh, some advice. You know, we bonded because I was a fan of his WCW. Uh, world title which might have been uh i don't know if uh that was looked upon highly yeah i don't think so i don't think anybody in the you know any of the boys the workers really appreciated that you know well i mean i always wondered what a guy like say sting who's you know been wrestling for 30 years busting his hump from the world over sees an actor come in and win the world belt that could, yeah I, I imagine the boys would be like what the fuck is going on here right Right. Now, your match with Barnett, who won? Uh, Josh did. You know, he was the booker. And uh, he booked himself to, to to go over to win. But now, did you get to get in some uh, offense, though? I mean, he let you, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. Josh is real professional. You know, he you know he, he didn't pull a squash match. You know? Right. Um, uh, you know, he made sure it was pretty even until the end. You know? I mean, I was... Uh, Driving to my hockey game the other day at the 
8 in the morning, and uh, I'm stopped at the light right outside my house. Now, 8 in the morning, there's no cars on the road. And all of a sudden, I hear this blaring music. I think it was Iron Maiden. I'm like, who's playing this music this loud? What a dick. The car pulls up. It was Josh Barnett. <laughs> driving an orange uh, charger. And, yeah. Uh, he just looked at me, and I, you know, I was about to yell at the guy, hey, can you turn it down? Yeah, what are you going to say to Josh Burnett? Yeah. <laughs> nice uh, music, sir. Yeah, can you turn it up, <laughs> sir? Uh, now, he's still fighting. I mean, uh, he, he maybe uh, didn't do as well as he could have in, in the last fight against uh, Travis Brown. Uh, he had a real bad night. You know, unfortunately, like I said, you can't train for a fight and make a movie at the same time. Right. You know? I think that was one of the problems for Josh. You know, he's spent too much time making a movie, making a movie. When uh, you know, both both jobs require a hundred percent commitment. And you right. Can't, you can't do both at the same time. Like when you were in your prime, you would never have dreamt of, oh, I'm going to film a movie too and fight Gary Goodrich. And I mean, you can't do both. Right. And I I learned that the hard way because I made the movie Godzilla. You know, and great movie. I thought your acting in it was stellar. <laughs> and then I, you know, I said, you know, I got to, I got to fight. I got to fight. Can I train? You know, when I'm not filming, can I train? Oh yeah, sure, sure. And then uh, you know, they had a weight room set up for me, and then I go in there and work out. And they go, uh, wait, you can't do that. You're messing up your makeup and your hair, and it's going to take too long. So I was. <laughs> it seemed that they lied to me. Right. Imagine that. Yeah. No, you seem to play, you get a lot of Aryan Brotherhood roles. Yeah. Miami Vice. Yeah. Now, what was that like? That was a big film. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, was it neat to be on a, a set, a movie set of that magnitude? I mean, that was a huge movie. That was great. That was great. You know, my wife and I love Michael Mann. You know, <laughs> he, uh, you know, he put me in two movies and then a commercial and uh, he's, Pay my bills for several year, years, right. you know, with the residuals, you know. So God bless Michael Mann. <laughs> now, did you ever watch the TV show Miami Vice? Did you like have any? Uh, I mean, well, you were probably busy fighting. Well, I think I was in high school you know, during, during that time, so I was busy playing football or wrestling right. or doing something else. Yeah, so, chasing women. Yep, chasing little girls. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine you were quite the ladies' man in high school, college. Good-looking guy, great body. I had, a, I had one girlfriend in high school, and then we broke up, and I went off to college, and I chased everything, you know, with two legs. Yeah. Female, right? Yeah, yeah. I had a good run with the ladies in college. Well, you, now you have a beautiful wife. Yeah, I do. Molly's gorgeous. Well, Molly's the best. She uh, handles all your merchandise. Yeah, puts up with me, so you know, you know she's got to be an angel. And please go to, is it DonFry.com? Yeah, DonFry.com. And the, the t-shirts are wonderful. Yeah. The shipping's a little slow, but little I mean. Slow. <laughs> you can blame me on that, because like, you know, like, like I said, I had all those back surgeries. M- Molly was, you know, handling everything. You right. Know, while I'm. I'm laying around whining and complaining, you know, about about my back, you know. She so she had a, you know, cowboy up and handle everything. Now, where did you meet Molly? I met her at the gym. She, uh, I just got divorced about a year earlier, and then she was going through a divorce, and I, you know, I was at the gym and walked by the aerobics room. Hot damn, that'll work, you know. <laughs> so 
I asked her out twice. She turned me down. Figured I'd give her one more time, like you know, like baseball, three strikes and you're out. Right. Third time she said, "Okay, I'll meet you. I'll I'll go to dinner with you, but I'm driving my own car." (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would be if I was going out on a first date with you. I'd be a little nervous. Yeah, well, you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm I fly straight. I, yeah, okay, good. I love women. I like a girl like if it, my ideal girl would be maybe a cyborg. Yeah. What do you think of cyborg? Oh, the fighter. Yeah. Oh, no, the Van Damme movie. <laughs> like, do you think she's the only uh, legitimate competition for Rousey? Uh, right now, yeah, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to see her fight. I think it'd be a fantastic fight. You know, it'd be the only thing that, you know, make Rousey nervous. Right. I mean, because uh, I, I don't. There doesn't. But do you think the UFC almost likes Rousey not having too much competition because she can just almost be like a pro wrestler, like Goldberg, and just go on this undefeated streak right. and. You know, like the the fight she has next week against McMahon, who is an Olympic wrestler. Yeah. Well, how do you think that fight plays out? Well, I think just like, uh, you know, when Frank Shamrock fought uh, Kenny Monday and Kevin Jackson, you know. I mean, they were both Olympic gold medalists wrestling, and the dumbasses went for, you know, a double leg takedown, stuck their leg, stuck their arm right there for Frank to... You know, slap an armbar on them. Frank armbar, two Olympic gold medalists, you know, in about 40 seconds each. So you're predicting possibly a, uh, not easy win, but uh, another armbar yeah, win. Another, another Rusi armbar, right, right. Now, what's the best, you know, I was at her fight in San Diego where she uh, fought Sarah Kaufman. And it was amazing that Kaufman had the armbar defended and you just... Saw it was like a video game. The arm just was. There was. How do you defend against someone who has such a, uh, you know, almost unbeatable move? You don't get in that position. You know, you punch him in the face <laughs> and you keep moving. You know, you stay away from him. Well, that's like fighting Gracie. You know, once he got you on the ground, it was over. So you know, you, you got to have a better game plan than. I don't know who's the last gal who just fought her. Uh, Misha Tate. Right. What, what a stupid game plan she had. You know, she kept going for the takedown. Why would you go on the ground with a judo fighter? And having, uh, I thought, very good success with striking. Yeah, yeah. She kept trying to take her down. Yeah, it was stupid. I think her boyfriend's her trainer. So there you go, right there, you know. And he's like a mid, uh, I, I don't mean this in a insulting way, but he's. Uh, I think his name's Brian Caraway. Uh, like a, a new, mid-level fighter. I get a new boyfriend and a new trainer. You know, right. That was her. Well, maybe you could. Well, you, you have a, you're taken right now. That's but right. I have a wife and two daughters. Yeah. Why? Wow. How old are the daughters? They're uh, twelve and thirteen. Okay. Well, that's all right. They don't have to worry about dates. But let's just say in like uh, seven, eight years, when they're in their twenties, guy comes to the door to take them to a movie. Uh, you know, what you answer the door, what do you tell the guy? Get her home by 11. That's right. What movie are we all three going to go see? <laughs> Maybe a remake of the remake of RoboCop. Yeah, yeah. A remake of Godzilla Final Wars, right? Listen, you can't remake a classic. No, you can't. You know, shit. Now, I was real disappointed they're making Godzilla and they didn't call me up for a, you know, 
this is a cameo or something, you know. Do you have an agent or do you get your own? I mean, you, you're at such a level where it's, a, oh, let's just call Don Fry. You probably don't even need an agent. No, I need an agent. You know, I need somebody to tell me to shut my mouth. <laughs> no, no. That's why you're so, that's why you're you. I'm going to sell that glass you're drinking water out of on eBay. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a cut of the profit. I'm not the UFC. I'll, I'll make sure you're compensated. Yeah, you're probably old 10 cents, yeah. Now, I thought Floyd Mayweather had the best quote when Dana was kind of going at uh, boxing, say it's no good. He's like, Dana, you better be quiet. Or I'm going to tell your fighters how pay-per-view numbers really work. <laughs> and, you know, you didn't hear Dana talk too much yeah, uh, yeah. after that. Like, do you? what do you think of the pace scale? You know, when you see, like, like it was kind of mind-blowing to me to see, like, uh, I think in Overeem's last fight, he got like 250. It's like, this guy's like one of the main events. And he's getting, right. I mean, do, do you think it could be better? Of course it could be better. Of course it could, you know. But I think he gets 250 base, and then he gets percentage of the pay-per-view, you know, which could elevate it to, you know, a million, a million and a half. But, yeah, they're they're not getting what they should get. And um, that's their own damn fault, you know. They need to get a better, need to get a better agent. All right, that might... Well, that might be the gayest cell phone ring I've ever. It's like a boing, boing. As I, I just got this phone. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how to operate it. So how to change the settings. Are you an iPhone guy? Man, I think that is an iPhone. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess you are then. Yeah. Um. Now, what? What? Do you have any acting stuff coming up? Uh. No, not not at the moment. No. Um. I mean the the commercials, the insur car insurance commercials, or I guess you do the motorcycle version. Right. They must. Uh, that's great exposure. Yeah, that's real good. And we do the predators predictions, you know, which I love. All right, you better say that. Yeah. And they're on YouTube primarily. What's yeah. I mean for the next? Like, are you going to do one for the Rousey fight? Yeah, we just filmed it the other day. Well, you better uh, cut out the uh, Evans Cormier. Predictions. <laughs> How do you think that fight would have gone? I went with Cormier, you know, because um, I think uh, if, if he made weight, that's the thing. That's the big question: is if he's going to make two hundred five? Because I guess you know what, six years ago he had problems doing it for the Olympics or something like that. So, well, I would say liver failure would be a problem, but yeah, uh, I don't know why he would think that once he's six years older, it'd be any easier. Well, you're right. Well, I think uh, the the main problem with him was that you know his best friend is Velasquez, and so it was like, well, I, I'm not going to fight him. So I, you know, it's kind of like useless still fighting a heavyweight if you're not going to. I mean, he's probably the second best heavyweight right now, mm -hmm. outside of Dos Santos maybe. But I I don't think uh, I think the UFC's done with Dos Santos and Velasquez. Right, right. How so, many times can you write that one? You know. Right, I mean, you I mean, know, I was I was involved with that IFL back in '07. You know, I had a couple, I had a whole team full of idiots, and it was just turned my stomach. I had these two guys, and it's just like you two need to fight it off. You know, well, we don't want to fight off for friends. I don't care if you're friends or not. <laughs> you know, I want you all to fight off for the. I want to take the best person in the position. Why don't you fight? We, I don't want to fight off. Why don't you just let him? You know what? You're both fired. Right. You know, I'll find somebody who wants to fight.
No, would you? Did you have a best friend back in the your fighting days? Like, I'm not saying Mark Coleman, but like, was were you best friends with any fighter that you would have a tough decision if you had to fight them? Just Dan Severn, and uh, you know, I said I'd never fight Dan, you know, and I was lined up to fight him because I won the Ultimate Ultimate Two, and he was the heavyweight champ, so I was supposed to fight him, but I'd broken my hand, you know, in the, in the match against Tank. So that that put me on the shelf, and um, he ended up fighting Coleman. He lost to Coleman, and at the same time, the Japanese signed me for, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Right. So that that fight never happened. But yeah, that's one I didn't want to do. But you would have. I mean, if, no, if, I wouldn't. Have. Oh, okay, that's great. No, because it's hard to beat up a friend. Well, it's not only that; he's the one who got me into right. it. Right. So I had a lot of loyalty to him rather than anybody else. It wasn't just a friend thing. Right. Like, you you would have trouble fighting me. Oh, I could punch you in the face right now. <laughs> no problem. Well, see, I come, my fighting style would be more or less the Tank Abbott style, just walk right in front of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, was it intimidating for you to fight? The, not, well, you probably don't get scared of too many guys, but, like, Tank Abbott's just, like, I mean, he's Tank Abbott, you know? Like, he's like, how do you hurt? You, it seems well, like I'm a hard done, guy I, to hurt. Well, I'm Don Fry. Well, that's, there you go. That's why I don't fight, and you do. That's right. Why am I worried about Tank Abbott when I'm Don Fry? <laughs> well, he seems like he would be a hard, like, uh, like a scary guy to fight from the standpoint of he, he, he almost likes getting hit. Right. Well, that's the thing. You know, if a real fighter may not like it, but you don't mind it. Right. You know, that's Brock Lesnar's problem. You know, he's not a real fighter because he didn't like getting hit. It, he minded it very much. And you gotta, you have to understand if you're going to be a fighter, you're going to get hit. So I wouldn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> so you might want to stay with the podcast. Well, right. I mean, this. Uh, I think I found my calling. Yeah, you get those ten viewers or listeners. Yeah. Well, after good. this one, we're going to have at least twelve. Yeah, I can see it boosting, boosting phenomenal. See, here's the reason I want you on the podcast. Okay. Because I want people listening who think pro wrestling's real. Those are your fans. I want people who think that Kamala was actually from Africa. <laughs> and the UFC fans. The guys who wear the, the, the Affliction shirts with the bedazzled dragon. That's your fan base. You know, the only time you'll see glitter on the Don Fry t-shirt is when they come out of a strip club. <laughs> I like your, by the way, I like your merchandise. The new black shirt with the, the uh, I think it says the Predator on it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a I'm a fan. I'm going to order one. Actually, as soon as you leave tonight, you're going to get an order. Okay, good, good. And I'll expect to get it around July. Yeah, yeah. And you'll you want us to cut cut the t-shirt off, make it a half shirt for you too, right? Yeah, to show off this body. <laughs> I mean, I'm on a horse meat diet myself. Uh, I can see that. Yeah. Well, I mean, let, let me ask you this: that like, uh, and I'm not asking you what you've done in your life. Good, because I won't tell you. It's not right. your damn business. Absolutely, and I don't want to upset you. How long is this interview going to go for? Anyway, listen, we've already we're already at the hour mark, but <laughs> we're going to go. This is what they call in the podcast world bonus coverage. Okay, I mean you're you are a legend. I mean you there's just like you fought in the UFC when guys were walking to the octagon in hoodies and, and shorts, like with no sponsor patches. It was literally a hoodie from their closet. Right, right. It's because men who wanted to fight, you know. I mean, it wasn't about the money back then. It was, you know, if 
you know, the only guarantee, they guarantee you $500 to walk through the gate first round. You got $500. You know, and then if you wanted the big money, you had to be able to fight and you had to be durable to make it to the end, you know. Well, I mean, that was, uh, I mean, I can't imagine. Do you think the fighters today could fight three times in one night? No, I don't. You know, there's got to be a few of them. You know, like I said, uh, you know, uh, Weedman. Um, who's the guy who beat GSP? Uh, Hendricks. Well, he. I mean, uh, he. You know, Munoz. I mean, anybody from Oklahoma State University. You know. <laughs> well, I love Munoz. He's, uh, you know, a great fighter. Uh, now, GSP uh, seems to. Uh, be coming toward the end of his career? Do, do you think he fights again, or do I don't know? I think I think uh, he's smart enough to retire once and stay retired. I mean, he got everything he he could out of the sport, right? Right. I mean, he's. Uh, it seems uh, Hendricks is probably the the. He's a tough guy, Hendricks. Yeah, yeah. He's a caveman. You know, GSP's refined French Canadian. You know, right. Hendricks comes from Oklahoma. You know, he, he ain't afraid to get dirty. No, no, I would not. Uh, he seems to be like the new, uh, like I guess the new uh, era of, uh, you know, you had the pretty boy GSP, you know, beautiful fighting, not really finishing the fights, but dominating still. Right. And then Hendricks is more like a Jethro Bodine, just. Yeah, he looks like one of those guys smacking two rocks together trying to discover fire, you know. Well, that was me. Yeah. And I never did it. Well, you, you probably can handle the reverberation from the rocks, you know, hurt your cuticles or something. Right? I, I don't like pain. Right. As you can see, I'm a man of manicured taste. Yeah, so you just wait you wait for the match to be invented. I'm like Brock Lesnar. I don't like getting hit. <laughs> but I will say Brock Lesnar had a good fight card. He did fight, except for the first guy in Japan. He did, you know, he fought either champions or, you know, uh, Keith Herring. Who, if that's the worst guy in your fight card, that's a pretty good fight card. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you, personally, I think everybody who lost to Lesnar got paid off. You know I mean? Heath Herring's a professional gambler, right? Right. He, so uh, he's bound to have some debts run up there in, in uh, Las Vegas. and uh, Of course. Yeah, so, uh, you know, he probably... If uh, he took a fall, his debts would be erased, you know. So Now, what do you think about the Frank Mir fights? It's pretty hard to, uh, I, I mean, well, Mir beat him. I, I thought Mir was getting killed in the first fight, and then Mazzagatti, questionable stoppage. They got to reset, and then Mir, you know, submitted him. But the, the second Mir fight was, uh, I don't know, it wasn't too pretty for Mir. Yeah. I don't remember it. You know, it was basically uh, Lesnar killing him. Yeah. And uh, Mir's face looked like, uh, I don't know, a woman's private parts after a gangbang. Oh, you know, I like Mir, but the dumbass, you know, he's a world heavyweight champion and riding a motorcycle on the, on the strip in Las Vegas, you know, that's, what a dumbass. Never the same after that accident. Right, after that accident. You know, there's things you don't do until you retire. Right. You know that, and riding a motorcycle on the strip in Vegas is one of them. No, it's it maybe ruined. It's like going skiing, snow skiing, or something. You know, there's there's things that you gotta wait until you retire to do. Well, well yeah, I mean, that's, you have a uh, responsibility to yourself, you know, and to the organization, to the fans, 
you don't get to have fun. You know, <laughs> you don't get to have fun until you retire. Now, that's what retirement is for. Right, to have fun after you have a successful uh, career in the right. in the octagon. That's it, man. Now, the, the, I, I brought up Overeem a few times. Uh, we all know about his uh, physical transformation. <laughs> you know, when he fought Chuck Liddell in uh, 2003, he looked like Roger from What's Happening. Right, right. And now he... Similar, uh, similar to you, yeah. Well, I have a, a very lean body. Yeah, that, that's, that's an understatement. Yeah. Scrawny would probably be... A better word. I mean, if I were in the MMA field, I would be a a, a two hundred fiver, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you're six seven. Uh, six six and a half inches to the left. <laughs> uh, but now and then, Overeem became this massive specimen. Uh, performance enhancing uh, supplements. Uh, is that uh, what? What have you seen in your time? Like, were, were there guys on special vitamins? I'm sure there was, you know, but so what? Well, I mean, I would think, and I'm actually, this is, might be the only serious question I've asked. I would think that when you're in a uh, a combat sport where strength is uh, uh, necessary, n- necessary that if you have one fighter who's clean fighting a guy who's maybe uh, on um, whatever, I mean, that's an unfair advantage. Or, or am I wrong? You're wrong. Why is it an unfair advantage? I mean, because they're professional athletes. They want to extend their career and make as much money as they can. I mean, come on. you got states now that are legalizing marijuana. So, you know, they're legalizing all these drugs. But And, and then you, geez, you get, turn on the TV, you got testosterone commercials for old men. Well, know? I buy those. Right, I'll tell you what, everybody in Congress needs to take a shot of testosterone. Crime No, I, I, McCain would be first up. God, what a waste of flesh. So if it were up to you, if you were in charge of the, uh, uh, let's say there was a MMA fight council that was the uh, supervising uh, all, you would maybe, uh, would testing be involved? Or would you let guys just, hey... If you want to do it, do it. If yeah, not, if you want to be a professional athlete, you know, and you want to make money <laughs> and keep the economy of the U.S. going, which right. is in serious trouble. You know, if if the UFC is putting a billion dollars a year into the economy, right? You know, what what's the problem? I got gotcha. you. This is why you're on the show, right? Now, a guy like because I notice in a, in. Uh, you know, when uh, Overeem was, uh, let's just say he was clean in his fights with... Uh, when he was 190 pounds uh, 10 years ago? When, seven years ago? When he fought, his last two fights against Bigfoot, Silva, and uh, Brown, I, I think he fought clean, yeah. and he couldn't finish them. Uh, do, do you think uh, once you've used uh, supplementation of... I'm not saying he's used them, I have no proof, but... Uh, do you think once you've done steroids and then you fight clean, it's harder? Because it's, it's you know, I mean, what are your thoughts on fighting clean after you've done them? Well, there's probably a psychological disadvantage to it. You right. Know, you know, you, you have doubts that you're strong enough, you know, but, you know, you just don't take a steroid and then boom, you're, you're Superman. You know, you've, it's something that, 
just increases the strength, at, but you have to train for it. You have to, you still have to train, and it just what it does is, is it reduces the recovery time, right. you know, so that you can train harder and longer. You know, it's it's not not a magic wand right. where uh, you know if you took it, it I could beat you up. Right, you know, you'd just be pissing in the wind. You know, oh yeah, throwing your money away. You, you still got to work out, you know, and you still have to uh, train hard and, and and understand what the hell you're doing. You still have to have the athletic ability, you know, as a foundation. Sure. Oh, yeah. I, I wasn't uh, saying you just take, you know, stay in your underwear at night and pop a couple cc's of Anavar or Deca and you're like... Superman. Right. Yeah, you know, you know how to fight. You know, that's that's what's wrong is people who actually believe that. Oh no, I know. There's a, like, uh, but I did find it funny. Uh, did, did you happen to see the Bigfoot Silva Mark Hunt fight? No, I didn't. I heard an outstanding fight though. Let me tell you something right now. I've seen thousands of fights. That was the greatest fight I've ever seen. Really? I mean, it was uh, like rock'em sock'em robots. It, I mean, both guys so bloody you couldn't see their face. Uh, but then uh, after the fight, Bigfoot, uh, you know, maybe uh, tested. Uh, he's an interesting guy because he's got that gigantism. Gigantism, yeah. Where they, I think they took his thyroid out. Right, right. And, you know, he, uh, I guess his testosterone was a little high, and uh, his manager said that he was actually lactating. I mean, that's what I mean. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I didn't know it was possible for a man to lactate. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that. That's a good manager. Yeah, yeah. How's the manager know? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's uh, I, I thought that I'll give him points for uh, panache for the uh, that's a great excuse. No, you give the guy a hug and you come pull back and your, your shirt's wet in two spots, you, you know? can get and maybe three if yeah, you're lucky, exactly. I mean, you know, now scary. Bigfoot Silva is a very scary. Uh, he can take. He's got that big jaw. Yeah. But you know, I think they took his thyroid out too early because, you know, usually if you have gigantism, you know, you're like Andre the Giant. You're like seven three. He's not that. I mean, he's about six four, I think. But he's his head. Is, yeah. I mean, has his a head, head and hands and his feet. His his feet were like this thick. Yeah, there. Yeah, we were on the same card in Japan before years. Really? Ago. Yeah, his feet are this long, but like this thick. It's like the Fred Flintstone feet. You right. <laughs> it's, it's the strangest thing you ever saw in your life. Was he a nice guy? To oh, a very nice guy. Yeah, very nice guy. Now your strategy in say finding someone like that who's that big, a world class Brazilian jiu jitsu. Well, I mean, what? <laughs> I don't know if you want to strike with him or do you? you do, right. Right. You don't want to get him on the ground either, though, because he could probably, uh, off of his back, maybe work some moves. Well, you know, that's, that's the thing is you've got to be uh, secure, you know, in, in your own skills. Right. And uh, then, I mean, crime, everybody nowadays is a world-class Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter, right? I mean. But are they legitimate, uh, though? Right, absolutely. How much faith do you really have in that claim? I mean, remember 18 years ago when the UFC hit, all of a sudden all these karate schools went from overnight went from karate to, to uh, jiu-jitsu, you know. And right. All, all they did is change the color of their belt, you know. <laughs> everybody, was a, everybody was a black belt or a blue belt 
a jujitsu instructor, and you know they've got the book in the in the uh, office there. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, would you say the the Gracies would be a legitimate black belt? Absolutely, they... absolutely. Gracies changed, you know, the outlook of fighting and martial arts, you know, for all of America and almost the whole world, you know, because just through having the UFC, you know, they they showed that, uh, you know, what obviously what a little guy could do, but they showed how important it was for submissions. Right. You know? Now, my dream, there's fantasy football, there's fantasy hockey, fantasy baseball. <laughs> that That is Don Fry's boner going off. My daughter. Do you have to take the call? Yeah. All right. Don's going to talk to his daughter. Hello. We're, we're all listening in. Don Fry's on the phone with his daughter, so now it's up to me to uh, carry the rest of the podcast. I hope you're enjoying this. I'm trying to fill up enough time where Don can talk to his daughter. Okay. Don's a great guy. He's come down to the Skakel Podcast Center. Fine, honey. I'm doing the uh, Earl's show right now. Don... Is a UFC legend, and I hope you guys are enjoying this podcast. We're covering a lot of ground. I mean, Don is a good man. He's a MMA superstar, an actor. Sorry about that, but you see my daughters, their name comes up, and I'm answering the phone. Oh, please. <laughs> Listen, when Don Fry wants to pick up the phone to talk to whoever... You pick up the phone. Because yeah, I'm not smart enough to know how to turn my phone off. My <laughs> Please, it's your daughter, it's your family. We can edit that part of the podcast out. <laughs> oh, but just leave it in there. That's the thing. We just fly here at the Skakel okay, Podcast so this Center. Is, this isn't live? Did, no, well, it is live. Oh. It, this will be on iTunes uh, probably within a day. Okay, so it's a day delay live. Day to day live. We're going to be live at some point. We're going to have video at some point. Okay, cool. You know, but video was a little, you know, to, to have high def cameras and, and switchers, it's, you know, probably 10 grand to do it right. Yeah, yeah. I and, understand, uh, you know, while you're holding off. Well, I mean, 10, you know, I got a little you're, bit. You're probably spending 10 grand a month on the this, this lavish uh, household here. I mean, right? this is a. Uh, it's a nice house. It's in the, the middle of West Hollywood. You know, I, I, I'm secure with myself to live here. <laughs> Back to my fantasy MMA question. Okay. Did you ever come close to fighting Fedor? No, I didn't. You know, I, I got to meet him one time. Um, we, were, we had just both fought in pride, and uh, then we were... We were both eating in the same restaurant, so, you know, he came over and introduced himself. Really? And yeah, we stood there and talked, you know, for about 15, 20 minutes. And was it like, hey, let's maybe uh, get in the, get, well, they didn't have a cage in Pride, but uh, was it possible? So a possible fight could have happened between you guys. I don't know if it, anybody ever, you know, came up with the idea or not, you know. Um, I have no idea. That's pretty neat that Fedor came up to you. Yeah, well, you gotta understand, you know, I'm, he's probably uh, ten years old when I was in the middle of my, you know, right. <laughs> middle of my prime, you know. So. Oh sure, 
But you know, I uh, he was you know you're my favorite fighter of all time. I don't mind saying, kissing a little ass. He's my second favorite. Of course, I was a little sad with his American career. You know, yeah. He, he uh, you know, I mean the Verdum fight. It's like everyone gets caught. Right. And then the Bigfoot Silva fight. I cried. Yeah. <laughs> I really did cry. I was like, it was sad to me. Like, he can't get up. This guy's too big. Do you think he got out at the right time? I mean, it seemed like the the sport had maybe not. Passed him by, but passed his training methods by. Well, I think he uh, he got tired of fighting and seeing the Russian mob take all his money. Right. You know, I mean, that's the same thing that's going to happen with the U.S. taxpayer. U.S. taxpayer is going to get tired of working or busting his ass and having the government take all the money. And they're eventually going to go, hey, no, we're not doing it anymore. Right. So then what's, what are they going to do, you know? No, I hear you. I mean, uh, you know, it's... Uh, Although I did admire Fedor for really being the only guy to stick it to the UFC and say no, right? I'm not, you know, I, maybe no, maybe it was his management team, yeah, the great M1 Global. Right, it was stupid on both, you know, M1's part and the UFC's part. You know, they let their egos get in the way of making an outstanding amount of money. Because I think the fight they were trying to make was Lesnar against Fedor. I think they said in Dallas. Or, or Couture versus Fedor. Oh, okay. Oh, right. I, mean, I know they had done the, uh, there was a promotional video where they were actually doing the candid shots of Couture and uh, Fedor. And then, uh, I guess. Now, that had been a good fight, Couture versus Fedor. But uh, Lesnar versus Fedor, no, nah, that, that, that had been real bad for Lesnar. Oh, you think so? Oh, yeah. Cause like to me like oh my god really Lesnar's a child well but uh, but still give like like to me I thought uh, Fedor against Bigfoot like I, I think Fedor was the the, the more well rounded fighter but it's just F Bigfoot's massive size was just too much I didn't see the fight but once again let's go back to our original statement uh, Bigfoot's not afraid to get punched yeah I mean and that's scary to me that. Whereas Lesnar, Lesnar does not like the idea of getting punched. So you think the first overhand power bomb by Fedor would uh, maybe scare Lesnar? Oh, this isn't uh, Kamala. Look, they, they yeah, they'd still be repairing the walls where they had to drag Lesnar out of the locker room to get him to fight. Okay. Right. I gotcha. Now, I mean, you know, all my guys are starting to get killed. So I, I get. I think I have the curse of curse of when i like a fighter they start to lose like i love dan henderson captain america now i sense a, a tenseness in your face right now are you not a dan henderson fan no oh see there you go i, I messed up you know what let me revise my statement never like dan henderson <laughs> you're a smart man now uh, i mean uh i can would it be out of line to ask you why maybe you're not a hindo fan no. Oh, you're just saying no to the question? Right. Or what, no. Did you guys have a interaction of some sort? We went, we, uh... I don't want to get you pissed or anything, but this would be a good story, I think. Well, we went um, on a USO tour together to uh, Afghanistan, and, uh... Yeah, I've, I found him to be a prima donna. You know? oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll just leave it at that. If you, uh, do you think you and him would be a good fight? I mean, not right now. I'm not saying now, but like, 
you know, maybe a couple of years ago. Would that have been uh, a fight that uh, entertained you, maybe? Yeah, I think I think it'd be a good fight now. Give give me a few months to get in shape. You know, <laughs> is there one fight that would draw you out of retirement? Like if Dana White, now what, do you have a okay relationship with Dana? No, Dana does not care for me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, let's say I let's say I inherited just a, a, ungodly amounts of money. I said, "Listen, Don, I'm starting a new promotion called Skakel Force. We got the money. A couple guys' fighter uh, contracts are up. I can get whoever you want. Who gets you into the cage?" See, it's not name or person. It's whoever has the belt, you know. I mean, well, let's just say there wasn't a belt involved. Like Fedor, if I said, hey, Fedor, you know, I, I, I broke his contract with the Russian mob. I mean, M1 Global. And, uh, <laughs> you know, would that could that get you out of retirement? I don't think Fedor really wants to fight anymore. So there's no, you know, there's no desire on his part to fight. So... You know, it's like having sex with a woman who doesn't want to be there. You know? Well, I've done that. How, how good? Right. Every every woman you've had sex with, I'm sure, would rather be somewhere else. Well, listen, Don, I don't mean to uh, shatter your image of me, but I'm quite a ladies' man. I bet you are, yeah. I see, I see all the uh, ma male magazines and the, the cat food around here. That, you know. I mean, I may not be a UFC legend. You're a legend in your own shower, but I am six foot two, two hundred pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. I bet you are. Yes. I mean, if I learned how to take a punch and wasn't afraid of physical violence, I would be an amazing icon, such as yourself. I bet you would. Yes, yes. But I mean, I you see my body. I would be a good two oh five. All right, got a good reach. I'll take the silence as a no. <laughs> now, now, what? Now, you mentioned to me before you, uh, before we started this, that you might be uh, getting into the teaching realm of uh, possibly. Right, right, right. We're looking over um, some opportunities. Yeah, I'm negotiating with the owners of uh, Tarzana Boxing over there and here in California. Now, I think that would be. Just your name alone, if it would be Don Fry MMA, uh, whatever you would call it, that would be huge. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, you know, my my one one of my drawbacks is most of my fans have died of old age. You know, so right. so there's me. Yeah, uh, Rob Schneider. Right, and then you know the rest of the geriatric crowd. You know, right. So. Maybe go to the retirement home and hold, hold classes. But, I mean, I see how, uh, like, Boss Rutten has a gym, I think, out here. So, right. And it does right. very well. I mean, we, we, Sherman Oaks, right. Would that be something, would you like to maybe get into? I mean, I know the gym world is, is I think there's a train in Don's pants right now. Um, Don, Fry, for as tough as he is, might have the gayest cell phone rings ever. <laughs> I'm just learning, man. I'm learning the cell phone. I'm new to the, this technology thing. I usually just open up the window and yell, Hey! I, I mean, I, I've seen gay porn less gay than your cell phone rings. I bet you have. <laughs>
<laughs> but so I want people to be aware of like if you're in the Southern California area, you might be on the lookout for Don Fry's uh, possible uh, boxing uh, MMA uh, classes. classes. Yeah, over at Tarzana Boxing. Yeah, and that's sooner than later. Now uh, I don't want to hold you up much longer. I know you're a busy man. Thank God. First of all, I am humbled and honored to have you here. You're damn right you are. I mean, you in listen. I'm not trying to kiss your ass. <laughs> the word legend is a it's overused. Yes, it is. They say oh, this guy's a legend. What has he done? Oh well, he he fought Tank Abbott in a bar in Huntington Beach. You literally are a legend. I mean, if it wasn't for you, Dan Severin, uh, Gary Goodridge, uh, Maurice Smith. There would be no UFC, and I really mean that. I mean, you guys were like the—I don't mean this in a uh, rude way—like like the tackling dummies for okay, this is working, this isn't, so on and so forth. So it's—I'm humbled and honored. Yeah, you know, I compare it to NASCAR. You know, we're like the old moonshiners, you know, right. who, who actually did the moonshine driving, you know, with the the old trucks with the. You know, the real bad steering and bad brakes and, you know, gear shifts on the floor and the floor and, uh, you know, hauling a load of shine and running from the cops. And nowadays they've got the the cars that you, all you got to do is just think, you know, you've got the spotter, you got everybody else doing your work for you, change your tires and all that. And right. you, all you got to do is run around in circles. But, I mean, I don't think you guys get enough credit for going through uncharted territories. And, right, and, right. I mean, well, you know what, that... That was our decision, you know. I mean, it's not like, not like in rocket science or anything. But you know, we we were good at what we did, and we did it, and uh, we weren't afraid. Well, of course, but I I just think you guys should be more acknowledged for, you, you know, the dues that you guys paid so a Ronda Rousey could make what she makes, or a, a Johnny Hendricks or a Weedman, you know. All I want is a be able you know to have a job pay my bills you know that that's that's a man needs a job man's got to work of course i mean you listen if otherwise we c- he's just, there's nothing to him there's no manhood involved if, if you're not working if we could have frank shamrock in high def with the braces <laughs> then anyone should get a tv gig i mean listen i frank shamrock's a, a legend as well frank's outstanding you know frank once again, like you said, you know, Frank doesn't get the respect that's due to Frank. I know? mean, held multiple. He, he should have been one of the first ones in the UFC Hall of Fame. You Which know? is em- embarrassing that he's not in. Right. Whether right. you like him or not. I'm not saying you. I just mean the right. listeners. The, 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 the path that he paved for many others after him. Yeah. Frank, Frank did stuff that. You know, other people can't even dream of, you know. <laughs> right, and he's not in the UFC right. Hall of Fame. Right. It's, uh, it, what, what are your thoughts on, like, I mean, you would know more than anyone else. Who, who decides who gets in the Hall of Fame? It's Dana White's personal Hall of Fame. So, I mean, if you're not in with him, you're, you're probably... Not getting in. Maybe not going to... Like, like, GSP obviously would have to get in, but I would say right now he's... Uh, he may not if you know he pisses Dana off. <laughs> I think he has. I right, mean, so he may never be in there. You know? Which is crazy that but, one. Hey, if you, if you know what, if I owned something, and I could make the rules, I'd do it. Who wouldn't? You well, know, I would do it human, too. Human nature. I love Dana White. Right. I mean, in that. Uh, yeah, 
he tells everybody piss off. You know, I mean, you got to you got to like it. I mean, he is the guy who, along with the Fertitas. Yeah. I mean, they they run the show. I would say the UFC was uh, not necessarily on life support, but uh, I mean, it was, you know, uh, since it couldn't get sanctioned many places, was uh, basically uh, on the fringe of just being almost out of like pro wrestling. Like, right. So I, I think they do deserve that. Uh, I mean, if it wasn't for the Fertitas and Dana White, you know. Yeah, they, I mean, what, they lost like $240 million, you know, first few years until it finally took off. Yeah, I mean. Uh, so, I mean, God dang, that's that's ballsy to, you know, take that much of a loss. Oh, my God. I mean, you know? You know when the stick in there. Fertitas are saying, hey, we got to pull out. We're losing too much. You're losing right, a lot. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, then they had that that one fight between uh Griffin and and Bonner and it just turned everything around. Well, that was uh that was, you know, great fight. I mean, I had faded my I think I could speak for a lot of fans like, you know, who grew up watching you and and, and Chemo and 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 Tank and and Dan Severin and Mark Coleman and and uh, you know, uh, not Shogun Hua, but uh the, the guy with the leg kicks. Marco Hulas? Uh, yes. I'm, Marco Hulas, another phenomenal fighter, you know, that people don't give credit. You know. Right, I mean. Tell you, back, you know, uh, back when we were doing the tournament fighting, mostly all those guys were world champions of some one, one art form or another, you know. There, there weren't guys like nowadays you got guys who, okay, they put six or eight years in, in the gym, Right. And then, you know, or some of these guys on the Ultimate Fighter TV show, they, they're zero and zero. And then, you know, they come out and, and they come out and have, they have four fights during the during the TV show, you know. And they only got a 4-0 and record and, and they're going to be on a pay-per-view. You know, back when, when we, we were fighting, everybody was a man. Everybody had... You know, 10, 15, 20 years experience. You know, they had their gold medals. You know, they I mean, it wasn't wasn't just tough guys getting off the bar stool. Right. These were serious guys. Oh, for sure. They were champions in their art form. You know. Well, I mean, I I prefer the older UFC days when you were there to today. Because uh, I don't think like the the Ultimate Fighter is like the the show for comics, last comic standing. I don't think there's that much undiscovered talent out there. Right. So I don't. Uh, there's certainly been some some great fighters come out of the show, um, but like uh, the one heavyweight season they had was uh, pretty brutal. I mean, I never. You know, I, I that first year, I I turned on the TV and saw some kid pissing in a bed, and I turned it off and never watched it again. You know. Yeah, I don't like stuff like that. Yeah, that uh, was, that's all I needed to see. And I've never watched the show since. I mean, I did, speaking of Frank Shamrock uh, and Couture, I, I did watch the uh, Bellator show Fightmaster, yeah. which uh, I, I liked that a little better, actually, because they concentrated a little less on the let's put hot sauce in the guy's jockstrap. And, you know, uh, they, they, were, they were more into the fighting aspect, which I liked. Right. Craig Jackson, I think, was a coach. And uh, the... Uh, Warren, something Warren. He was Joe Warren, I think. Uh, you know, Couture and uh, Frank was the coach. You know, I, I thought. Who was Joe Warren? I think he. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie and say uh, I. He was a champion, I think, in Bellator. See, I never heard of him. 
I mean, I guess he was pretty good. I mean, so you I understand know. Frank Shamrock and Randy Couture and then Greg Jackson, but never heard of Joe Warren. Well, I think uh, he was. I think he was uh, one of the coaches because uh, you know he had the Bellator background, and right. you know Spike TV and Bellator had their thing, and. You know, now uh, one of my favorite heavyweights is in Bellator, the great Czech Congo. Yeah, <laughs> he's funny. I think he's a guy who Dana might have a problem with. But we all need to watch Predator's predictions is what we need to do. Yeah, now let's, we'll wrap up with that. Okay. Well, actually, can, I, can we talk about one more serious thing? Sure. I know you're busy, but, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of... Uh, you know, in the pro football world, there's there's the the issue of concussions has uh, come up a lot. You know, uh, certain players like I look at a guy like say Troy Polamalu. There's a guy who's vicious hits for 15 years, and then it's like what, what's his his few concussions. And I look at some of the guys who fought in the first few UFCs. You know, uh, do you think concussion issues will will ever be an issue for? MMA uh, fighters. You know what? I just think it's a bunch of candy ass bullshit. Is what <laughs> I think it is. You know, it's, everybody wants the goddamn government to take care of them. You know, from cradle to grave, and they're just looking for another form of a handout. You know, if if you didn't like it when it happened, you should have got out. Well, I got you. you. Know, if you're doing it now. Hey, you know, you know, I sit here and talk bad about Brock Lesnar, but at least he had enough sense to say, "Look, this isn't for me. I'm getting out." Right. He had. I got. You got to give Lesnar that much respect. Okay. I'll, I'll. Thank you. You just made me realize something that I was too much of an asshole to realize. Other. You know. Oh I mean, sure. At least Lesnar had enough sense to say, "No, this ain't for me." Oh, I respect anyone you know? who gets in the cage. Uh, right, but I mean, just all these guys in the football field or wherever. If you you don't you get you get paid to get hit. Right. If you don't like it, fuck. Go go sweep a floor somewhere. Go right. change tires. Get a different job. Change tires like Brett Rogers, uh, who was a uh, heavyweight, uh, one of my favorite heavyweights uh, of recent note. He was noted for working at a tire shop. And Strikeforce signed him, and he was uh, fighting uh, Fedor. He fought Fedor, and uh, he fought, fought over him, and uh, knocked out. Didn't he go to jail for beating up his wife or girl? Allegedly, you know. He, <laughs> well, he had to get back in the winning streak. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, you get so many losses. You got to pick up a win somewhere, right? You got to fight a woman. and yeah. uh, go home and whack the old lady, yeah. I think she almost armbarred him, and then he got out of yeah, it. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. So you think, like, I read Gary Goodrich's book. And he's, um, you know, he had some uh, health issues, and you know, it was sad to me because it's like he was one of my favorite fighters. I, I love, you know, and and like I don't want to see like it's just sad. It's just as a fan to to see. I almost feel guilty. Like they fight because idiots like me can't. Well, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, I buy the pay per views. I buy the t shirts, and I, I almost felt. Look, nobody is forcing the fighters to go out there. You right. know that? I mean, you can go get a job changing tires or teaching school or anything like that. Or having a podcast. Right. I mean, obviously, anybody can do a podcast. Well, I'm proof of that. Yes. But, you know, I enjoy uh, getting to meet celebrities like yourself. Because well, yes, you should. Yes. I mean, we've there's shared. no other way anybody like you would ever get a chance to. 
you know, meet anybody of any importance. I, I mean, right. I mean, sucking them into, you know, a, a phony podcast. Yeah. I, to be honest with you, I'm not even recording this. Yeah, I was going to say, these things even plugged in. I just wanted you in my house. Yeah. If you're sitting here with these fake microphones and Mr. Mr. Microphone. <laughs> I, I just want to hit you once just to see if I could get away with it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. So, Don, it, it's been a huge honor to have you here. I know you're very busy. Do you have any projects you want the people out there to know? You know, I know possible Tarzana boxing, uh, you know, coaching, but uh, any movies, any uh, Predators predictions? Predators predictions, yeah. Um, like I said, we just did Chuck Hank and the San Diego Twins. Um, I was hoping they're going to release it this year, but it looks like they're going to run it to um, Sundance uh, next January and then release it you know next year um but yeah predators predictions and we're also looking at um a a show called after the final bell and what is that about well um i'll go on the road and uh interview retired fighters and see um how the how their life how, how the fight game has affected their life you know um either positively or negatively you know look look at um their uh their health right you know their finances their relationship you know see if uh it's is done the fight game's done good or if it's ruined their whole life right like parts uh, of it you know well i would recommend one did it have to be ufc fighters or could it be boxing? No, hey, all over the world yeah all over the world. i would love i got a great first guest for you yeah here i am being the booker for your show yeah <laughs> Randall Tex Cobb. Yeah. <laughs> who are, you remind me a lot of. I love Randall Tex Cobb, man. I think he's great. Well, he was I I was so enamored with him when he fought Larry Holmes. Yeah. Took a massive beating. Yeah, stood there the and just time. laughed. Yeah. I named my dog after him. Yeah. <laughs> um, Randall or Tex? Well, oh. Tex. I was like, "Come here." <laughs> and Tex was just like Tex Cobb. He took on all pit bulls. He was undefeated at Michael Vick's house, 12 and 0, and I had to put him to sleep. Uh, but so where now predators predictions, they are typically come out about a week before the, the card. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you, you go on YouTube to look for them yeah, or go on YouTube, um, bleacher reports taking it, you know, they, they've kind of, uh, uh, stolen it and <laughs> they put it, they, they'll put it on their site for me. They're real good people. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody it's this has been a lot of fun doing those um we just filmed the third one here a few days ago and uh i got the rough draft at the house and uh you know he's gonna clean it up and then uh i think they're gonna put it out here uh let's see what is today the fight's on the 22nd i think they may pop it out on sunday or monday okay so look for uh, predators predictions youtube and bleacher report and uh i mean Please follow Don Fry. DonFry.com? DonFry.com. Yeah. He's got, sir, I don't b- buy a lot of t shirts from uh, MMA uh, people because I almost got into a fight once wearing a, a Fedor shirt. <laughs> Guy came up to me at the gym. He said, uh, What's your specialty? I said, Excuse me? I said, Rigatoni and clams. And he's like, Oh, no, you're wearing that shirt. I just, I just like the logo. Yeah. He said, Well, you should take it off. I'm like, why? He's like, well, if you don't do it, you shouldn't wear the shirt. Were you here in West Hollywood? I, absolutely. You, did you take your shirt off? I, I t- that's why I told the guy. I said, listen, this is a gay gym. I'm not taking this shirt off. Not again, no. And besides, you're wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers shirt. I didn't see you in the fucking huddle. That's it, yeah. 
So, but please buy Don Fry shirts. They're really cool. He's got autographed pictures, mugs, um, and I, Molly. I don't know even if Don knows this, but Molly has been in contact with me to uh, pre-make uh, the Don Fry dildo, which has his face at both ends. Yes, it's amazing. And uh, it's only about four inches long. You can see if you can make his mustache grow. Don, you're the best. DonFry.com, Predators Predictions. Folks, please spread the word about this episode. This is a, a legitimate legend in the world of mixed martial arts. You can see him with Dennis Haysbert in the uh, insurance commercials. Please follow Don Fry. Make this man the next Frank Shamrock without braces. Get him a job with uh, Pat Militich and Moro Ronaldo. Let's bring back Strike Force. Guys, this is another. This is a, probably the greatest episode of Inappropriate Earl ever. Uh, next week, we're going to have Bob Sapp do a spelling bee. That is it, guys. iTunes, SoundCloud, Don Fry, Inappropriate Earl.